Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of I'm 40% Podcast. As always, my little shit of a co-host is here, really douching it up, just doing all the things you can possibly think of to get my goat. You got a little goat sound there? Interesting, if true. Okay, close enough. And today we are joined by our first repeat offender. This is our first time having <laughs> a guest. Uh, uh, the gender offender. Um, this is our first time having a guest on uh, for a second time, um, partially because he's such a good friend to us and partially because he requested this episode specifically. So please welcome back to I'm 40% Podcast, Guy Branham. Honored to be the first return guest. I had no idea. I'm so excited. Yeah, we've never had anyone um, return any phone calls after we recorded. <laughs> Usually it's a hit it and quit it situation here. I'm 40% podcast, so um, not much has changed. I'm the producer. Uh, Nick has... Um, Allegedly. Uh, Nick has been Guy. putting a lot of effort into this soundboard thing. We're still waiting to see some returns. Guy, there's on actually that been investment. a lot of changes. <laughs> uh, uh, Nicole Byer beat me up and she put me in a cryogenic tube. It was cool that she came to my house, but she did beat me up, which I didn't care for. And I was frozen for many months, and now I'm thawed. And uh, we're in a sort of eternal battle to determine who is producer of the podcast. Isn't oh, even wow. surprising to you? I mean, I personally am shocked. Um, <laughs> you know, when I think of I'm 40% podcast, I think Jinx Monsoon talent. I think Nick Zahoya, piratical made of all work. And, you know, <laughs> like this switch in roles, I mean, it's like a Margaret Atwood novel, you know? Um, you know, which of the sisters say- is, is backstabbing the most? I'd say it's more of a Twilight situation. Like, do you want to go with the glittery, beautiful vampire or the person who smells like a wet dog most of the time? <laughs> um, I will say I'm exactly, situation. <laughs> I'm exactly as Native American as Taylor Lautner. So this does track. <laughs> but- and I'm exactly as white as a vampire. So... <laughs> Should we start a podcast where we just find out what happened to poor Taylor Lautner? I just feel like he's in a cubby hole. No, don't go br- looking into that. He's <laughs> he's doing just fine. I, I, it's be quiet. It's, it's, <laughs> like imagine. No. <laughs> he's somewhere in Brian Singer's home, and he's just forgotten him <laughs> behind some like Christmas decorations or something. Well, no. he was, I think the last thing I saw him in, not that I watched the movie, but he was in one of the Adam Sandler straight to Netflix movies. Mm-hmm. And I think he was also playing Native American in that Aww. because he got pigeonholed. What I'm but you know, Rob, uh, Rob Schneider was in Brownface, so it was just a fun movie all around. Yeah. How come Rob Schneider keeps doing Brownface? And that doesn't he's a quarter seem to Filipino. be an issue. <laughs> oh, well, all and he has I, a Mexican wife, so it's all cool. <laughs> I've just been feeling. When did um, Jennifer uh, Aniston hitch her wagon to the Adam Sandler? Uh, whatever, just <laughs> like, go with just, it. Just go, just go with it. Which they you just do did really... another one where they're like uh, they get caught up in espionage. Uh, it's coming out, or it just came out. I I kind of want to watch it just romp. to see. Yeah. Do you realize that Just Go With It is a remake of Goldie Hawn's Academy Award-winning performance, and Jennifer Aniston is playing the Ingrid Bergman role? Like, Adam Sandler has Jennifer Aniston uh, as, as our Ingrid Bergman. 
I feel wary to even talk about Just Go With It because I watched it once on cable TV in the UK for some reason. (laughs) And I watched this movie and then I took to Twitter afterward basically to say, I don't know how this movie got made. I don't know who thought it was a good idea. Some of the most baffling performances in it, just like just an all around bad movie. And this is before I kind of just realized that um, uh, straight men are still writing terrible movies. I just don't normally. (laughs) watch them. Anyway, I kind of like went off and someone was really mad at me and like told me, how could you put down all the hours and and money spent uh, on this film? They probably were doing their best. I was like, I can't even criticize an Adam Sandler flick like without getting like really punching down there, mom. Like as if I'm being (laughs) super insensitive to the heart and emotions of Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston and and I think that's when I stopped like engaging with Twitter. It was before Trump even. It was this person <laughs> reading me about my fucking criticism of the movie Just Go With It, which I'm sorry is a terrible film. <laughs> well, I mean, Just Go With It being your January 6th does not shock me, Jake. <laughs> Um, you were gracious enough to do uh, one of our very early episodes it was episode 4 or 5 you were very gracious enough to do it even though that was not your requested episode you wanted to do this episode specifically I mean before we get into the beats of it what tell us what speaks to you about this episode yeah I'd love to know well I mean all Futurama is good but this is I mean it's a Hermes centric episode I'm excited about that um, <laughs> like all good episodes of Futurama I feel like everyone gets a good moment except for Amy um, <laughs> uh, like and it's got a musical number and also I just like parodies of bureaucracy are always really charming to me and mm-hmm. there was there's just a little a bit of an element of Brazil to this um, <laughs> that Very I like but with come but, to Brazil. But, like, truly, like, written by uh, sitcom writers who understand how to make all the jokes clean and get it done in a half hour. I love yeah. it. There's a good song. They do, they, it was a good they, song. They uh, they criticize bureaucrats and bureaucracy a lot in this show. Like, this is the episode that heavily leans into it. But Hermes is basically there just so that they can make bureaucracy jokes whenever they feel like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Guy, you were a law student. Is yes. this part of your fondness for bureaucracy as an institution? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you know, I spent a lot of time learning about regulations and caring too much about how they work. So the line, don't quote those regulations to me. I co-chaired the mid- committee that reviewed the decision <laughs> to change the, no- the color of the book that they were in. We kept it gray. It's a very, very funny joke to me. <laughs> it is a very good joke. I, um... I think this is one of, this is a strongly written episode. It's a very entertaining episode. Um, The only thing that stands out to me as um, like the big problematic elephant in the room is the story about uh, the the plot line of like uh, sexual coercion and power dynamics in the workplace um, uh, between Morgan and Fry. But what I want to talk about it is the fact that like this is a weird period in time where if you look at some of the entertainment coming out about like inappropriate workplace relationships oftentimes the female or the feminine in the situation is depicted as the predator like Mm -hmm. we've Mm. all heard of this kind of stuff happening but guess what this twist is it's the woman doing it but there's so many examples of that in media at this time that it really felt like they were trying to get ahead of the narrative it really felt like people were like "Uh oh we're gonna start getting called out on our inappropriate behavior we better blame women for it too <laughs> you know like that's what it reads as to me um there i can't even remember the title of the movie but there's some movie that came out around the same time about a woman a, a, a girl boss destroying a man's life and it's like how could a uh, disclosure this poor disclosure that's what you were saying that word for i thought you were just interrupting me with a non sequitur okay (laughs) Okay, let's get into the episode that's plenty of intro let's start talking about this wonderful episode lots of very funny lines lots of good moments um we have no cold open no cold open this week 
and we go into the Chiron. The Chiron says, as foretold by Nostradamus, and this is a really good Chiron. I give it five out of five Chirons. Yeah, I'll um, give it a five out of five Chirons as well. Guy, thoughts? Oh, I'm pro. It's funny, but also like the level of funny that we expected 20 years ago. You know, yeah. this, this is not a Rick and Morty joke. It's just kind of funny. This is the building bro- blocks for how we get to Rick and Morty someday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Hermes is in his office. He's stamping things. He staples a huge pile of paper and then he shreds it. And he says, the cycle of bureaucracy <laughs> continues. And before we continue, I, I have to say, I it took me, I had to pause the episode for like five minutes when I was taking notes because I did not know how to spell bureaucracy. <laughs> I didn't even know where to start. <laughs> I thought B- it was maybe B E. You're wrong already. B E U. A? No. no, whatever. I You'll bureau never get it. is it's one impossible. of those words I never remember how to spell. And I, I remember than... all the letters, but in the wrong orders. <laughs> is it the same word as bruro? <laughs> like a <laughs> thing you put stuff in? Yes. In French, bureau means office, but also um, like th- the that um. Yeah, that piece of furniture, like a bureau that you put stuff <laughs> a bureau. in. Bureau. But it's just, it's a morass of vowels. There are just vowels <laughs> everywhere, and who knows where they go. Yeah, it's the one French of the are most very French words I've ever seen. Free and yeah. liberal with their vowel sounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, the vowels have a really good union in France, so they get to do whatever they want. They went on. Um, they went on strike for most of the sixties. <laughs> um, uh, Her- Hermes receives mail via pneumatic tube. It also took me another five minutes to spell pneumatic, but it's a letter <laughs> from the central bureaucracy saying that he's about to receive a letter from the central bureaucracy. <laughs> And we have this recurring joke of when he opens the letter, he says, my God, it's from the central bureaucracy. And we get a few of these jokes throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Who could this be from? <laughs> right after <laughs> receiving the notification. Uh, the episode had me at pneumatic tubes. When I was a very <laughs> small child, when we went to the bank, my mom yes, sent it over with bank. Uh, mm-hmm. A pneumatic tube, and there was one department store in Marysville, the town across the river, that would like send things through pneumatic tube. And just like, what a great old timey visit a vision of the future! It's just the best. And what the fact that it goes all the... through the city. Yeah. Like... <laughs> what did they send in the department store? Like little clothes. Like <laughs> they ball them up and stick them in there. <laughs> no, like receipts and stuff. Remember, like, oh. like, or ch- you when you finished a check. Then it just went up and like got sent to mm. wherever the checks lived. Yes. The pneumatic <laughs> tubes at the bank used to scare me as a kid just because I was traumatized by seeing Augustus Gloop get sucked up into that. <laughs> Augustus! No! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Leela is preparing to have a poker night with her friends from her old job. I think it's pretty mm-hmm. weird that she kept in touch with those people. <laughs> they don't seem... <laughs> Like they well, would be Lila friendly. Well, Leela doesn't make a lot of friends. Yeah, Leela's friendships all seem very circumstantial. So it makes a lot of sense to me that if she wanted to have a poker night, the only people she'd know are previous coworkers. Um, can you imagine inviting she spends your all her former time with her boss? Current coworkers. <laughs> I mean, that's true. But can you imagine inviting your like once someone is no longer my boss, they are dead to me. I will never talk to them again what unless I, I need will... a letter of recommendation. <laughs> What I will say I related with hard, and it was confronting to relate to this moment, but Leela inviting her old boss, who then, like, publicly announces that she hit on him, and then he <laughs> turned it down. Like, and just, like, casually bringing that up in front of a group of new people. And, like, I, I feel like discretion is an art form. <laughs> Uh, we've got kind of a problematic uh, Billy West uh, voice here, but we also get the wonderful character who says, welcome to the world of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Guy, would you like to say welcome to the world of tomorrow like he says it? I honestly don't remember how he says it. How does he say it? <laughs> Jinx, you want to take this one? <laughs> welcome to the world of tomorrow. <laughs> and when he loses that poker later, he goes... My baby's milk money! <laughs> like, he just says that he, everything in that intonation. 
Um, yes. So, um, Billy West has a whole slew of, um, um, uh, uh, bad stereotype voices that he does throughout this show, which, you know, is objectively, it's like, what an amazing voice actor who can change his voice in so many different ways. And also, eh. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's what we wanted for 40 years what's talent a racist chameleon like just somebody who can do the first thought version of uh, most ethnicities that have crossed your mind why give jobs to lots of people when there could be four people you employ to do everything that's well, what yeah. animation is for that's I mean, and that's like the the corporate business side to this art form is like, I think pro- most likely why it continued for so long, even though we would never ask. A, I mean, we would never want <laughs> a white person portraying an Indian person in live action. But because it was cheaper to hire one voice actor to do all the voices, it just kind of went under the rug for a long time. And fair, as much as it pains me, I'm re- in re- watching this i see that tress mcneil was not free of um yeah yeah uh, and she's like one of my icons and it's you know you reconcile the 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 the, the tumultuous times of <laughs> I will finding say, what you're comfortable with in art and media <laughs> mike myers played like a terrible south asian caricature in the yes. love guru <laughs> like 10 years ago and like I didn't realize this, but I was ma- I was compiling a list of like gay bait performances <laughs> in Oscar movies for a podcast uh-huh. I'm doing three hours from now. I for- <laughs> and this is not a gay bait performance. I forgot that Robert Downey Jr. got an Academy Award nomination for blackface for, for Tropic, Tropic Thunder, Thunder yes. not that long ago. Well, like, in that movie, the fake trailers at the beginning, he is doing a gay baiting performance. So maybe that's the oh. connection you made in your brain. Because <laughs> Satan's Alley with um, Tobey Maguire, and he plays a monk who's in love with another. I forgot monk. about that. That's <laughs> so funny. And in most of the cases of like recent examples, like we're citing, it does feel like it's coming from this place of like white people deciding that they're post-racial, mm-hmm. you know? And it's mm. mostly in comedy that we see it. And I think it's like white people thinking like, well, I've done a good job of showing I'm not racist. Everyone will know <laughs> that this is strictly for comedy and not racially charged when I do this um, racist stereotype <laughs> performance, you know? Um, I, like, as much as I love Tina Fey, like, all of 30 Rock oh, yeah. feels like it was written from the stance of being post-racial. and. Yeah. I think what we realize is no white person gets to decide when they are post-racial. <laughs> so that issue addressed. Let's get on with the poker game. It's very funny. We got X-ray specs. There's lots of jokes going on. Let's get to the jokes. <laughs> Bender deals cards by putting the cards in his mouth and shuffling them, and then he shoots them at everybody. And for Fry, they, like, go into his apple and cut off of his hair. But everyone else seems to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he shot them extra hard at Fry. Maybe he's mad at him. Bender Um, just, you know, Bender Bender punches down to Fry a lot. (laughs) It's uh, a Barton Millhouse (laughs) setup. (laughs) Uh, Favorite lines from poker? Mine is, uh, it doesn't matter how many human females you have, Bender's on a hot streak. Because um, Zoidberg doesn't know what a queen is. Yeah, and doesn't Bender get found out for pointing out that there's like a parasite in one of yes, the other Yes, because people? he has x-ray glasses and yes. he's cheating with them. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to set that up. Uh, Bender has <laughs> x-ray glasses and he's cheating. And he gets called out because he points out that he can see something inside of someone. And that <laughs> triggers Leela's boss to, to question why Bender's on such a hot streak. Um, my favorite thing about like them, you know, beating up Bender and they f- they follow Bender into Hermes's office. Bender's trying to de-escalate the situation and goes straight to, "Hey, you wouldn't punch, you wouldn't beat up someone wearing X-ray specs, would you?" <laughs> and I just love, you know, they could have like they could have built up that joke. Like they could have beat him up a little, and he could have tried something, and then beat him up a little more, and then he could have tried something, and then landed it. 
You wouldn't beat mm-hmm. up a guy with X-ray specs. But they trusted their audience to know the trope, and they went right for the <laughs> the hat trick. <laughs> um, I think he skipped over one of my favorite parts where Zoidberg is defending Bender because the mob is chasing him. And he says, don't hurt him. He's my best friend. And then Bender <laughs> pushes him over and runs past him, which I thought was good. That's Zoidberg- good Bender. Zoidberg's desperateness for friends really plays out a lot in this episode. <laughs> I find I like Bender more when he's a bad friend and less when he's like a murdering <laughs> sociopath because he oscillates between the two. I, like Zoidberg always need, like wanting friends and being desperate, great, but also just the fr- like what bad takes, like what consistently <laughs> wrong perspective takes. Like he's such a beautiful <laughs> testament to the outsider's perspective and how bad it is. <laughs> um hermes arrives at the office which was destroyed because bender got beat up in there and i guess he was there all night because hermes gets there in the morning it's a mess and i feel like this is extenuating circumstances i feel like he could be like hey my office was attacked this is not how i keep things usually but I guess that's not how the central bureaucracy works. They're pretty strict. No, because, I mean, we're going to learn very quickly that, like, um, basically any action he takes must be filed and requested <laughs> and applications are meant to be filled out. So, like, she probably would have been the the central bureaucrat coming to uh, interview him probably would have said, why didn't you follow a force majeure clause claim? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Let's just take a brief moment to step back and talk about <laughs> the Holy Roman Empire's Supreme Court. Like, um, the, like I've read about the Holy Roman Empire Supreme Court, and they talk about cases going on for like decades or centuries. And I don't even know what that means, and I don't even know how that works. But in like something like this, where you are like, well, he probably would have needed to file the forms to have her not come seven months before he got the form saying she was coming, is the kind mm. of magic that I love and why I like this episode. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, bureaucrat stuff being funny, Hermes <laughs> says... Uh, the lady from the central bureaucracy will be here in exactly one second. And then someone walks in the door and he says, who the hell are you? (laughs) (laughs) Which is my Um, favorite kind of joke. And it's Morgan Proctor. She is. Who's voicing her? Is this Tress? It's probably Tress. It sounded like it could be Tress, but I I didn't check it. I I didn't check. I didn't fact check, but it's probably Tress. You want me to look? (laughs) (laughs) It's not as important. She's a, (laughs) it's a good vocal performance. You know, like you, like Uh, the voice matches the, the, uh, the illustration of this character. You can tell that she's a little sexy under that bun. (laughs) It's worth it to know who it is. It's Nora Dunn. What are you talking about? Are yes. you for real? Yes. I'm I got really excited, but then I forgot who Nora Dunn is. Is she from <laughs> yeah, SNL? So she was on SNL during the like Silver Age with like Phil Hartman and yes. um uh not Victoria Jackson. Who was the other woman who was amazing? Who was on 30 Rock? Um uh, Jan Hooks. Jan Hooks, yes. But like Nora Dunn, the woman who famously refused to be on the show when Andrew Dice Clay was there. Oh, like, good for her. Yeah. Um that's, that's very cool. And also, like, kind of like an icon who who did not take a back seat and kind of has had to work a lot of the time in drama because comedy people, you know, like the girls who play ball, you know? <laughs> um, and so, and also she's fucking perfect for this. I, you know, I, I thought the voice sounded really familiar, but I couldn't place it normally when I think that and can't place who it is. I just assume it's Tress McNeil. So yeah. thank you so much, Guy, for being like, this is why this is why you Research. get to be a repeat <laughs> guest, because you, you, you don't take a back seat when it comes to reviewing these Futurama episodes. <laughs> they greet each other by stamping. And they say enough friendly banter. Enough friendly banter. Are you familiar? Is the stamping a real thing? Is there a lot of stamping you had to do in law school, guy? I mean, not for lawyers, but for having things notarized and everything like mm. that. And having things... Oh, I love a good... Oh, I have a stamp for um for my corporations, for checks that come to my corporation. And I love stamping things with it. When I was a child, I would take the stamps that my dad had um in the construction <laughs> job site and pretend I was a bureaucrat. 
this is so fascinating. Childhood. I've never had I've never met someone with this dreams. dream. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to know about a guy's time in law school and juggling being a law school student with being an up and coming Bay Area stand up comic, you can read his book, My Life as a Goddess. Or you could listen to the audiobook, which I would recommend because reading's hard. Thank you for the plug, Nick. <laughs> do you do your own audiobook? Yes. It's like a very pleasant 18-hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hermes uh, says he has a plan to deal with this disaster, and it cuts to him on the roof ready to jump. <laughs> and Bender says, do a flip, which does make me laugh. <laughs> it does make me laugh. It does make me laugh. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and the prof- like, and the what's yes. his name? The professor, the doctor says, "Don't waste a perfectly like, don't jump. You're wasting a perfectly good liver. Like, that's a good joke <laughs> so- that comes back." Yeah, but later in the episode, he says, "Jump already." I need your liver. So I feel like by the end of the episode, he's like, I don't care how you die. I just need I'll that just liver. Take it however, even I if it's a little it. squished. <laughs> um, and then La Barbara shows up. Oh, the Barbara. Um, just in time to scream, husband, no! <laughs> Which I love. I feel like she does that a lot throughout the show. She does shout husband no quite a bit. <laughs> quite a bit. Just, she doesn't say, like, my love. She doesn't say, she just says husband. <laughs> Which is... No, no um... um it's because of her recurring husband no that anytime someone screams a name and then no, it it, it tickles me like um, Sebastian screaming Ariel no. <laughs> Maybe that's Augustus, where they got it. No. <laughs> um, Hermes is uh, shaking because he's been talked down from the roof by the bureaucrat Nora Dunn. And sweet he says, something sweet. of some place. <laughs> he can't too think of one of his folks he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Zoidberg recommends that he and LaBarbara go to a spa planet. And Ooh. he gets a free bucket of krill for every person he sends there. <laughs> he doesn't know anything about it. But because Hermes is leaving, Morgan takes over as the bureaucrat of the office. Yeah, Hermes is leaving on paid leave, which is the biggest um uh the biggest insult that they can offer a <laughs> bureaucrat. Morgan a takes over. It's all very I like I wish I had a job so I could clinical. get asked to leave for a while and still get paid. <laughs> um <laughs> have you have you considered taking down the police from within, Nick? Just go to the police <laughs> academy. And then yeah, uh, you could you you, you know. could make a bunch of su- funny sound effects and skate by. I on feel that. like I'm gonna lose a lot of friends in the short term if I do this, but maybe if I can bring it down from the inside, they'll all forgive me. Yes. <laughs> well, if it if if we learned one thing from Brook- Brooklyn Nine Nine, it's that all cops are young, hot, and mildly bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really funny in the sort of gap between. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine being on the air and the Black Lives Matter uh, protests beginning. Um, someone had a tweet, and I wish I could have credited it properly, but they were like, I really think that when Brooklyn Nine-Nine comes back, it should just be a post office and no one should acknowledge anything has changed. <laughs> just just uh, instating in Mandela effect. Uh, just mm-hmm. like, no, it's always been a post office. That's funny. Um so I don't even gets... remember the context of this line, but they say that a delivery was late, I guess. And it's because Fry got his head stuck in a crater. And Fry says, I thought it would fit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Morgan is like quickly cracking the whip. Um, she, uh, Leela says, what is this high school? And then Morgan screams, locker check. Now <laughs> they find a one loose nut. <laughs> in Bender's locker and he says sometimes a guy gets lonely is that to imply that Bender has a penis a yet to be seen, seen penis that is this small that he uses a nut to, to masturbate with yes it is a flesh jack it is a flesh jack for whatever his genitals are the genitals okay. could be inside of his body there's a bunch of weird stuff in there yeah I mean or maybe it's just the antenna we but we we've heard that the antenna is like his penis and in the roommate uh, the, the you know the yeah. moving around episode. So does he take this little nut and screw it on and off of his? Maybe antenna? it feels great to him or yeah. multiple penises. I'm not king shaming. I just want to understand the mechanics. And personally, did you ever see that I thought video? Bender would be hung. 
Did you ever see that video of that guy with two dicks? I mean, I've seen like a video at the of base. a guy with two dicks. I, I think it's there's only one. I saw I one from the '80s where he had two penises, one on like top that? of the other. Yeah, mine were sideways. I remember yeah, a more famous one. I remember when I've never seen that, but I remember when he came on Reddit and started telling magnificent stories about yes. um, his powers. Now I just want to see the video. Yeah, I, I mean, that was the first thing that I Googled when he went on Reddit. I was like, well, I got to see this. <laughs> I can't remember where, I mean, like, it was a porn. It was like an 80s porn, and a, a guy had two penises, one on top of the other, and one could have been prosthetic. But when everyone started talking about the man with two penises, I was like, well, isn't that kind of common? Because I've already seen one different from this <laughs> man with two penises. Well, I mean, it's common <laughs> enough that there's a couple men with two penises, but I can't find much evidence of anyone before the one who is famously known as the man with two penises. So I'm wondering say, what I saw. Um, I will say <laughs> that first 80s of all, porn. They both preface, got off. Both penises came. They both can count. They both can come. I will say I want to preface this by saying all penises are beautiful. Whatever your dick looks like, that's awesome. Uh-huh. But I do think it's fascinating that this man with two dicks has two beautiful <laughs> they are mm-hmm. gorgeous dicks and it would have still been interesting if they were sort of average looking dicks but they're very nice they're very nicely shaped um i believe they're both circumcised which is strange to me <laughs> like you'd think he'd want to keep one of each <laughs> well i would i would keep both i would be like <laughs> i've um, already acor- got two dicks you don't need to chop off anything down there according to the data i'm seeing um they are they are uncut Oh, they are uncircumcised. Good. Oh. Because we don't support genital mutilation here. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. It just kind of sucked the air out of the room. <laughs> but we don't. Do, do you guys feel... Do you guys feel like um, to keep a solid Jewish following, you either need to take a strong stand on circumcision or Israel, but not both? Or... <laughs> Are you guys, you know, are, are here? Here's how are you just I, saying you neither should be partitioned. Here's how I deal with the <laughs> circumcision conversation. I kind of opt out of it being someone who is circumcised and has no strong feelings about it. Like I don't necessarily <laughs> feel mutilated, but I also like I also believe in giving every person the choice of what happens to their body. You know, so. I, uh, so I have no strong feelings about it personally, other than everyone should have agency over their own genitalia. One of the great things about- <laughs> I have no strong feelings one way or the other. <laughs> one of the great things about being gay and not participating in biological reproduction is we don't have to decide on the shape of somebody else's penis. You can just focus yeah. on your own. Yeah. True. So I, the way I feel about it is, is we shouldn't circumcise babies because we're taking that decision away from that person. And then if that person, for religious reasons, when they come of an age where, you know, they can like, you know, uh, logically and pragmatically think about this discussion and make a decision for themselves, then they should have the agency to then decide to be circumcised. What I'm hearing from you, Jinx, is we need to have more fetish-themed bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs <laughs> where people decide to have a, a leather-clad adult moil do the, do the job. There, I mean... I don't know what the answer is. I just know we shouldn't be making decisions for babies, you know? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I know uh, quite a few people who are very <laughs> upset with the fact that they were circumcised. I just happen to be someone who's kind of like, uh, whatever. I was circumcised before. I have memories of it. And uh, it's the only penis I've ever known. <laughs> I, had a bi- I had a bisexual Israeli therapist in San Francisco who would not shut up about his circumcision. <laughs> he would not shut up about it. During your sessions, you should be doing him. During my sessions, he was he was the greatest evangelist of uh, foreskin reclamation on the planet. He had little equipment he would show you. It was a lot. I, Fry's um... locker is gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's really gross. There's a hat full of yogurt. 
because it was milk. It once. started out as a hat full of milk, which also raises <laughs> questions. How did the yeah. milk stay in the hat? Why didn't it leak out? What's lining the hat that kept milk in it? But then he says it started out as milk, and well, time makes fools of us all. <laughs> I love that as his writing off why there's a cap full of yogurt in his locker. Um, <laughs> um, Morgan is horrified. She asks everyone else to leave so she can be alone with Fry and presumably reprimand him. However. Turns out she's so horny for him because he's dirty. And here in here lies the moment where I identify with Morgan uh, <laughs> Proctor probably more than any other Futurama character because the amount of times I've slept with a boy just because he gave off that grungy punk crust punk <clears throat> dirty I don't pick up my socks and underwear off my bedroom floor vibe. Uh, I don't know. I'm a I'm an uptight Virgo who likes uh, smelly sex, I guess. I'll do you one better, Jinx. I dated a, a person for four years, and he was exactly <laughs> Morgan, and I was exactly Fry. That was fully our relationship. And three years in, we watched this episode together, and we looked over at each other, and we just kind of shrugged and giggled. Because what well, else can you do? That's cute and fun. Um, it's less um, it's less confronting than when uh, Michael and I watched Sunset Boulevard and looked at each other and went, uh-oh. That's really funny. <laughs> um, guy, thoughts on yeah. gross gentlemen? Yeah, guy, Pro what or floats anti? your boat? Or like, you like a dirty pig boy? <laughs> no, I, I feel like I generally am the dirty pig boy in the relationship. You know? Uh, we see the spa planet. It's but wait, not really have you ever been fetishized by an uptight bureaucrat now, for being now, a dirty big boy? Now that I think about it, though, my only real relationship was with someone who truly was even worse than I was, and I spent a huge oh. amount of time. Um, like, I guess I did, like, to some extent, f- like, fetishize his pride over those things and just sort of, like, <laughs> the raw masculinity of him not get a- giving a shit and letting um, those two boards in his kitchen rot. <laughs> <laughs> did you like that he made you feel very neat and tidy? Because I could see an advantage in that. I mean, he didn't, comparison. he didn't make me feel neat and tidy, but he made me feel like I was constantly struggling to control. And I think <laughs> um, that was very appealing. Um, uh, yeah. And it also made me feel like um, I had a giant toddler I was dealing with. Um, <laughs> is that inappropriate? Probably. Uh, welcome to dating, guy. Yes. Uh. <laughs> um. It's, it's a forced labor camp. It's not as popular. <laughs> we meet an Australian man. He will come back in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. Um, my highlight from the spa planet is someone off camera shoots a laser to get them to focus. And she mm-hmm. says, I don't miss twice campers. <laughs> I don't miss twice campers. I just um, love it, it being Crocodile Dundee for no good reason. Yes. That's writing. That's writing. <laughs> Just for no yes. good reason. And it I don't does... want to step on the joke, but there is a, another episode in a season or two where they get enslaved again, and the Australian man is there as well. <laughs> so it's a running gag that he just keeps being enslaved on alien planets. <laughs> um. Yeah. It, it also, like, someone on the writing team, because if you remember the Simpsons episode where they go to Australia, it feels like the Simpsons is equally obsessed with Crocodile Dundee. Um, mm-hmm. Because anytime they can, they work in an Australian man dressed like dressed like Crocodile Dundee. And we get that wonderful piece of writing because you call that a knife? This is a knife! <laughs> That's a spoon. Oh, you've played knifey spoony before. <laughs> um, someone, someone there is obsessed with Crocodile Dundee, and I'm convinced someone in the writing room used to be a bureaucrat because some of this feels very much like someone's working through something. Um, Hermes can't help but get the slave labor camp running more efficiently because he's just that much of a bureaucrat. Um, he is selling out his fellow. Uh, fellow slave laborers um, to maximize efficiency at this camp, which, you know, leads us to the exciting conclusion where Hermes realizes that Well, there's a bunch of stuff in between. No, it Um, leads us to it. (laughs) (laughs) Morgan demotes everyone but promotes Fry. He gets his own office. 
Um, and they all go into uh, Fry's new office to talk shit about Morgan. And we get a great twist on, uh, wait, is she behind me? Because Bender's talking shit about <laughs> Morgan. And Morgan's standing right there and says, no, I'm in front of you. No, wait, is Morgan right standing right behind me? No, I'm standing in front of you. <laughs> like, just, it's just he so was funny. looking straight at her. It's very good writing. Perfect joke. <laughs> um, she goes to Fry's apartment for a sort of 3 a.m. booty call situation. Been there. Um, she must have had to walk by Bender. I didn't think of that until now because Bender lives in the front of the apartment. But no, okay. he's out. She, she, she got a. Oh. She's he's working late because she had him clearing the professor's earwax. Oh yes, and that's now why I Bender shows up with a candle and says, "Fry, I made you a candle out of," <gasps> and catches them boinking. <laughs> and he gets caught in a. Oh, it is very funny because um, Morgan does that thing in every uh, sitcom where. Where they get caught in bed and the woman sort of pulls the sheets up to cover her breasts and then fry <laughs> looks over and is like well and does the same thing to her. it's a visual gag for the podcast this is why you should watch the video version if you have the option <laughs> guy did you know you're on video right now i did not know i feel like i forgot to tell you <laughs> oh jeez. i'll survive <laughs> um yeah bender's stuck in a loop um, because and he's, he's going to tell he, everyone. Yeah, because he's, feel, he's feeling his oats about what he's just discovered. The next day at work, you know, a Morgan's trying to de-escalate. She's trying to gaslight Bender into thinking that he's got it mistaken. And I like how he deals with it. He just says, uh, <laughs> I walked in on you having sex. Or what? No, the line's better than that. It's. I'm going to oh. say, guess who caught... Um, Fry and Morgan having sex last night and they'll say who Bender who um, but then he says something like you doing it to you or something oh yeah there's that line too but you should have written it down it's all good writing I don't like to write things down I'm more of a holistic <laughs> uh, episode reviewer so because Some, Bender oh. has made it clear that he is not going to keep their secret Morgan downloads Bender's brain and shoots it into the pre-established pneumatic, pneumatic tube, pneumatic pneumatic. tube. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> pneumatic tube, and there goes Bender. But also, like, what a great way of capturing one of the characters that isn't capturing one of the characters. Like, being able to mm. steal someone's soul and send it to a, a big pile is just <laughs> so great and why you gotta love the show. Fry immediately yes. re- regrets all of his decisions and he comes confesses clean. That he con- comes clean, confesses everything. He says something like, "She was attracted to the um, filthy slob I am, and I was attracted to the f- uh, and the part of me that was, <laughs> and she appealed to the part of me that was That's a why you desperate." Write it down. <laughs> I know, but he's saying I appealed to the part of her that uh, that gets turned no, on by we, slobs. We get it. We get it. Anyway, they watch the episode. They, they know. all go. They all go to the center of bureaucracy. No, where you're a missing giant a great line. line oh where... my god! Then lead it. <laughs> um, they say, "Poor Bender. Without his brain, he's become all quiet and helpful. We have to go back to the central bureaucracy and get his brain back." And everyone goes, "Yes, yes, yes." And Amy just goes, "Why?" <laughs> I mean, I guess Amy did get a good moment. I was wrong. I'm sorry. It was a Why? good Amy moment, but not enough Amy in this episode. I agree with you, guy. Um, they they go to the center of bureaucracy. The line's so long. They're behind a super old oh, guy. So he says, I'm still waiting on my birth certificate, which somehow implies that he's been waiting there since he was born. Yes. Like, <laughs> you can't pick this one apart too much because then why would there be anyone in front of him? Were they also born and waited? <laughs> Yeah. Is he and, Benjamin Button and he's much younger than he appears? I have a lot of questions. Well, I mean, like, he could go to the bureaucracy for his birth certificate certificate at any point in life. But the True. fact that he's super duper old and waiting for his birth certificate does imply that he's been there for centuries or something. But my favorite part of the joke is when everyone takes a step back because, uh-oh, someone had a baby. So that baby's now in line. That baby is now a, 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 an individual standing in this line. That's very funny. <laughs> it's very funny. Um, but Leela has a hack. She decides they're going to um, 
pretend that they're there delivering a, a, a new blank bending unit, which kind mm-hmm. of like if this is the only way Bender is helpful, then why were the robots designed with personalities at all is what I want to know. Because when's the last time you saw Bender bend a girder? <laughs> well, this brings up a question very late, uh, uh, very late in the series. There's the one where Bender has a kid. And mm-hmm. the kid can either have a personality or can bend girders, and they choose to have him bend girders. So he becomes a lot like Bender, please insert girder at the end. So maybe it depends on the robot, and Bender just happens to have a slot for personality. But his personality sure does seem to get in the way of the function that he was built to serve. <laughs> I mean, you're not really respecting the extent to which bending girders is a creative process that does require <laughs> all of these other skills, you know? This is all part I, of the process. I yeah. might say, like, a, a motorized lip-syncing machine would be better at your job than you, Jinx Monsoon. <laughs> but others would say, you bring... Subtlety and complexity to it from all the other <laughs> shit you're bringing to the table. Wow. Once but, they automate the drag business, Jinx is going to be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just imagine a just imagine a sex doll that could also sing. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got m- me out of work. Um, uh, so uh, they, they, they get in. They get into the center of bureaucracy. Their plan is... Oh, Leela has a really good plan. She puts a tracking device in one of the um, pneumatic tubes, and she's going to follow it. With to, her wrist-low jackamator. And like, with her wrist-low jackamator. So many good jokes. You have low-level uh, bureaucrat on extremely slow-moving um, <laughs> skiff thing. My you slow have mobile. The, the slow mobile, yeah. You, uh, what you assume is some sort of like Dungeons and Dragons demon that is just an <laughs> alien who is a mid-level bureaucrat. Great. Uh, Please don't and then, tell anyone I was sleeping. <laughs> and then like everyone rushing to get through Metal Door and then Bender just walking through Metal Door. Hilarious. <laughs> really good it's stuff. It's all very good. Um, I also like that the wrist-low jacklimator is a piece of technology that she has that can track her little tracking device, but it does so by going cold, cold, hot, 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 hot. Like all of their technology is both like archaic and super advanced at the same mm-hmm. time, which I love about Futurama. <laughs> they arrive at central filing. All of these fun, fun, silly plots mm-hmm. sort of come together in this moment because Hermes has returned from the spa planet and La Barbara exposits that now all of the work because of Hermes bureaucratic <laughs> prowess is done by a single australian man <laughs> what a yeah. great joke <laughs> very good joke we get the morgan returns yes, she's gonna she comes put the back. kibosh on everything but we also are now joined by the head bureaucrat um, number 1.0 and he has like a biplane desk <laughs> a, a flying desk so wonderful like um just the image of what the central bureaucracy is and like a huge pile of um, vacuum tube capsules from decades before that have never been filed. Like, it's a big machine that is bad at doing its job, and I love it. (laughs) Um, And uh, Hermes is given the ultimatum that he can have his friend's brain back if he's able to sort this master in pile, which is like two stories tall, and he only Mm -hmm. has four minutes to do it. But luckily, so he's able to requisition a beat, and he <laughs> through the power of yeah, steel who did the drums beat? and limbo music. Um, I can't who, remember who did that beat. Um, was that was this one point zero. It was one point zero. He placed <laughs> some, do that? <laughs> some sort of screw gun into the radio yeah. on his desk, and that's what came out. Um, you know, why I would like, he help him? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Morbid curiosity. You know, he's probably, he he's just excited for something new coming into his world. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, we do get, uh, we get a good musical number. Um, Futurama has sparse and sparing musical numbers, but they're always, always pretty good. This, this is one, one of the better gets, ones. This is an earworm. This gets stuck in your head. And then it's hard because you hear it playing in your head in Hermes's voice. And when you're singing along with what's playing in your head, you catch yourself doing a Jamaican accent. And you're like, <laughs> only Phil Lamar gets to do that. So um. <laughs> it's wonderful, like having I am Bender, please insert girder. So perfectly work into that is my ru- favorite part of the whole 
fucking song because <laughs> it's a callback. It fits the pentameter of the song. They probably built that like phrase of the song knowing we got to end up with Bender saying, I am Bender, please insert Gerder. Oh, you don't Musically, think that it's the very professor, satisfying. You don't think the professor had an electric Frankfurter for <laughs> just normal you know reasons? No, Nick. I think, I think that was, that line was written solely so that, that we could get to Bender saying, they, they started there and worked backwards. On the subject, <laughs> on the subject of a classic uh, animated uh, fugue, has anyone else here spent the last two months with uh, "We Don't Talk About Bruno" stuck in their head at all times? Oh, absolutely! And I was in two different Ubers where it was, I think, playing on the radio. Oh, really? I, I it's the first time in ages that I've heard like a, a family movie musical song on the radio. It's like, let it go. It used to be, yeah, there was Let It Go. I remember the, uh, like, Can You Feel the Love Tonight used to play on the radio. Like, but Let It Go makes sense. Like, um, <laughs> like Linda Ronstadt and Aaron Neville makes sense. This weird plot-heavy song with six different people in it being something that everyone is listening to doesn't make sense. I don't know that that movie is good. I've watched it twice. I like but it. I, I cannot get away from that song. I feel like it's fundamentally a defense of codependence, and I'm mad at myself <laughs> for liking it. I all, like all We I Don't Talk to... About Bruno, but I like the lesbian song the best, um, where she's dancing with the donkeys. Oh, the strong I... sister one? Yeah. I mean, the lesbian. They're watched... all lesbians. Uh, Mirabelle is also a lesbian. It is a movie about how lesbian ants are important. <laughs> um... Nick, I'm surprised you don't like that that song more, seeing as you look exactly like Bruno. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, you look, yeah. I mean, you look a lot like a character voiced by John Leguizamo. <laughs> you, you're saying I look like a character who's been living in the walls for ten years, which is yes. pretty rude. <laughs> I mean, um, I can't say distinctive foot frame and rats along his back. Um. <laughs> I, I can't say that I haven't seen Nick with a rat on his back. Like it's entirely possible. <laughs> Uh, oh. Okay, so he sorts the thing. <laughs> well, I was going to say, the whole time I'm watching this song, I'm like, he's wasting quite a bit of time on showmanship. He's doing little dances. He's putting a lot of flair into filing these things. But then he ends you, up finishing early. Are you saying that his personality ends up helping him with what should be a mechanical <laughs> task? I think wow. so. Wow. It does. It, Levels. Um, my fa- besides the girder joke, my other favorite joke is when he gets everyone, now everybody say Jamaica, Jamaica, just the bureaucrats, Jamaica, Jamaica, just the grade 19s. Jamaica. <laughs> she's so angry, but she still does it. I love that, just hearing her voice go, Jamaica. <laughs> But yes, um, he he finishes early and thus gets demoted because demoted. no bureaucrat is ever supposed to finish uh, early. But then <laughs> it's revealed that while he was filing, he finds out that uh, Morgan made a small clerical error <laughs> a decade or two before when she was at her high school prom. And he is... <sighs> Which means they had to noticing it. It sounds like they have to choose the bureaucrat lifestyle early in life. Like if she was filing requisitions for her prom, then she must have already been on this trajectory because you don't hear anyone else talk about their prom application. (laughs) Okay, I got a question for you, Jinx. If we were doing a 1970s Soviet-style program to create the best drag queens in America, the way that they did with, like, your powerlifting and your gymnastics and stuff, Mm. when would you select the children? Do you know? Well, I feel like... um, I feel like it has to be during puberty, Mm-hmm. earliest much like an x-man i started mm-hmm. drag at puberty and now it is so ingrained in my my physical mental emotional spiritual being that like it is there's no way to separate the person from the drag artist so um i think starting at puberty is how you ensure that this person is stuck for life mm-hmm. <laughs> um <laughs> 
Nick, same question, but uh, uh, dirtbag comics. Um, <laughs> is that something that you can start before nine months of community college? Um, I'm going to say I ran an open mic in Seattle for uh, many years. It was beloved. Um, and I saw a lot of like uh, 20-year-olds come in. So I guess when you're 20. Because some of them ended up being funny. Some of them did not, and I still had to put them up. It was hard. And it was a hard guy, job. As someone who trained to be a lawyer and now finds themselves <laughs> a comedy writer, when did when did both interests... Oh, and who started life wanting to be a bureaucrat, ended up studying law, and is now writing comedy. Um, what age... <laughs> what age did the real what age did the truth start to bubble up <laughs> I think you shouldn't find comedians until later I think going in the wrong direction until oh. you're 25 is a really great way like it really should be something where you just do what your parents tell you to do and then mm -hmm. a, like a magical creature comes to you when you're 25 and says you're so unhappy you should go do something really <laughs> irresponsible and not have health care for a while <laughs> I when do did you think start guy all I of these art forms. Twenty four. Okay. Twenty four so for comedy. You want people mm -hmm. to work on your timeline, which is yes, a good. This plan. guy did it right. It worked out for you. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, all of these, <laughs> all of these life paths we're talking about, um, uh, I feel like are made better by having some trauma and some grit in your life. So it's also True. relative to the person. You know, I know some 10 year olds who have lived really hard lives and I bet they have really funny anecdotes about it. <laughs> okay. So we've already, I'm sorry that I'm making the podcast go too long, but we've all like, we've already got people who like coach children to help them be better with their applications and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. What if we create a service that safely traumatizes wealthy children <laughs> so that they have something to make them interesting? Well, this is smart. Uh, how do you? How do you Maybe quantify just like, and qualify trauma? <laughs> I think I think you're just like you have the parents be like, "Hey, we're going to dinner tonight. You'll be fine by yourself." Not that that ever happened to me. And then like a guy in a clown mask with a knife like runs in there and scares the kid and then leaves, you know. And he thinks it's he was about to get murdered, but really it was just Uncle Ricky. Well, it's essentially the Michael Douglas film The Game, but for children. <laughs> All I'll say is that Nick and I are a month apart in age. We had pretty much like polar opposite upbringings. And yet somehow here we both are sitting on our computers talking about a cartoon <laughs> that hasn't been <laughs> on air in like 20 years. But it's coming and in any case, um, uh, Morgan's uh, tragic downfall will be her, 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 her youthful mistake leads to her undoing and and we get a great line 1.0 says guards bring me the appropriate forms to file to have her taken away <laughs> very good it's a great line i was going to point out you are technically correct the best kind of correct which is oh, a very so quotable quote you can yeah. put that into real life all the time and even it might be on the soundboard next week if i remember <laughs> Even though I um, I like, one of the things I like about watching cartoons is that everything goes back to how it was at the end of the episode. So it does mm -hmm. kind of trigger my OCD to know that by the end of the episode, Hermes is still one grade yeah. behind. You know, like I really want to- No, because he gets him... promoted for He gets demoted Morgan. two levels and then promoted <gasps> back only one. So wow. at the end of the episode, he starts a grade lower- like a higher, he's a higher number. Um, That's very weird. Than he began the episode in, and I would have loved if we found a way for him to get back to where he started or better. But one away is an acceptable margin. <laughs> what I think is funny is usually I am so bothered by stuff like that. If anything sort of unhappy or like denigrating to the overall universe happens. But the fact that he gets downgraded to for ending like two seconds earlier, whatever it is, that made me the fact that it was a hilarious reason and a very bureaucratic <laughs> reason made me perfectly fine with him being one grade lower. Um, but I understand those feelings, Jinx Monsoon. Thank you, thank you. I also don't think the grades come up ever again <laughs> in any other episode. <laughs> Never. And uh, is there an episode where 
Leela has to uh, work as the um, acting bureaucrat. There's an episode where Leela takes over being the bureaucrat. She's horrible at the job, but it makes me question why a replacement bureaucrat wasn't sent since it was such a big plot point in this Well, it went so poorly this time. They couldn't (laughs) do it again. (laughs) Um, Going into the credits, Zoidberg says, wait, now it's time for my song. And he starts mm -hmm. singing a song that sounds kind of like Hermes' song, but it's about a tidal wave in his tide pool or something. <laughs> and then it goes to credits and he goes, Aw. Aww. <laughs> so um I think you know, I think this is a pretty it's a well written episode. It's a funny episode. Um, aside from, you know, the usual running problems with the TV shows of this <laughs> time period, uh, it's a pretty good episode. Guy when you were last on, we asked you our compulsory questions. And yeah, I want to know if any what, of them have the bu- changed. No, let me oh, do I'm the button. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Hey, hey. Let me ask you something. <laughs> Guy, let's see if any of your answers have changed. First question, of course, being, who in the um, Futurama universe would you do? Did you say Hermes the first time? <laughs> um, Probably, uh... I probably not. Um, uh, Kif, I want to understand how that system of bladders works. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and he's able to inflate himself, which makes it seem like um, maybe he's customizable to different situations. He can climb on the ceiling. Maybe that would come in in handy. (laughs) Just sticky skin in general. (laughs) You could put him in a Spider-Man outfit, and he could uh, fulfill your Spider-Man fetish. Not that I, I mean, not, I'm, n- I'm still, I'm still looking for that IRL. Um. <laughs> I had during the pandemic, I had a uh, uh, an extended, um, I don't know, correspondence with an Instagram boy, and he was cute and all. We didn't have a lot in common. I feel like it went on an extra month and a half because one of the first photos he sent me was him in a very expensive looking Spider-Man outfit. <laughs> and you were just hoping Reasonable. someday you'd, what, get to try on the Spider-Man outfit? Or yeah, get to see and he him was in like, the Spider-Man outfit? <laughs> well, he was like, because it was pre-vaccine, it, he was like, well, when we finally hook up, you can rip the Spider-Man outfit. And I was like, no, 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 no. Mary Jane would never do that. (laughs) She she would take it off very carefully. (laughs) We can't hurt the Spider-Man outfit. Yeah, I Um, I hope he's doing all right. Enter the (laughs) Spider-Man. My uh, next compulsory question is, do you, uh, who do you most identify with from the Futurama universe? Again, Uh, I can't remember your original answers. That would have been, okay, tell us. I have to assume it's Zoidberg. No, you said um, a certain robot <laughs> with a funny voice. Oh, I did? I believe you did. <laughs> oh, that's silly, but Zoidberg. <laughs> so you're not Hedonism Bot, you're Zoidberg now. Oh, no, Hedonism Bot. I'm sorry, I thought you meant Bender. No, Hedonism no, no, no. Bot is 100% the correct answer. Hedonism <laughs> Bot. Hedonism Bot with a Zoidberg Ryzen. <laughs> Ryzen. Yeah, I would, like to, I would like to go back and say that the person I would most like to have sex with is John Babe. Okay. Which one's Yeah, Jombie. He's hedonism bop's little, you know, uh, like a, like attendant, toy, the person yeah. who oh. slathers him with chocolate and stuff. Oh, is he a robot or a human? He's a human. Human. Okay, I don't remember this character. I'm gonna look into it. He's a human who is dressed like he's from the period that hedonism bot is fashioned after. So it's like ancient to Greece. Think he's from. <laughs> uh, that he's programmed to think he's from, yes. Um, and final question, will you be watching more Futurama after this? It kind of sounds like you've been brushing up on it because beto- you've been quoting some things like like you're trying to do a Futurama podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I hadn't watched it in a while and I have to tell you, it was really nice and I missed it. And talking, like just talking with you guys, like the episode where Zoidberg goes through all of his developmental stages, I want to find and watch. <laughs> and the one where um, Fry fa- flowers for Algernon's because of his parasites. Like those are well, such good episodes. We know and the third and fourth episode guy will be appearing on. <laughs> um, are you going to be watching the new season when it comes out? They're making oh. a new Futurama. I didn't know that, but I'm very excited for it. Yeah, oh, that would yeah. be great. There was well, no new news about it this week, or we would have had the news bumper. Do you want to hear the news bumper? Yes. I can't find it. There it is. Good news! 
Greetings, everyone. <laughs> See, we've got Wonderful. a lot of things going on here. I would say most of the improvements <laughs> happened while I was producer. It's been kind of a lame duck producer session for Jinx. <sighs> I also feel like I had a more creative way of becoming the producer, but now she's the producer. It was kind of lazy. You lack the will of the producer. I don't know why I have to explain <laughs> it to you any further than that. It's just kind of like it's 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 base level stuff. Guy, what do you want to plug? <laughs> You've got a big stand-up show coming up in LA. This will probably yes. come out after, but let's talk about it anyway. I have a show on April 29th at Dynasty Typewriter. It's part of the Netflix is a Joke Festival. So if this comes out, before that, you should come to that. Um, and um, you should go watch the major motion picture Bros, starring Billy Eichner, uh, coming out September 30th. I am in that movie, and you should look at me. <laughs> <laughs> that Billy Eichner, he's going places, eh? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Well, Guy, thank well, you for joining us again. You are uh, a true believer in the podcast, and that's more important than anything. We we love your support. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so tidy and matter of fact. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Like a bureaucrat. <laughs> This has been another new episode of I'm 40% Podcast. We'll be coming back at you next Monday, so make sure you're subscribing to us wherever you're listening to us. And uh, follow these people. I'm Jinx Monsoon. That's Nick Zahoya. And we've got Guy Branham today. So, um, you know, from this point on, if you don't know what's going on in our lives, that's on you. Have a great rest <laughs> of your day. Happy Futurama to everyone. <laughs> Uh, no, we'll workshop it. And a good uh, enjoy the world of tomorrow. That's a better sign offline. That's a little better, yeah. <laughs> Wow, 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 wow,